Just what happened in Iowa? Is it as simple as black and white? Are the kids all right? All this and a look at what's tearing us apart on this week's Three Season A Pod. Three Season A Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Bashan Mann, and with me on the show are Chris Cervello and John Schofield. We thank you for coming on board with us. For more of the Provision Conversation, follow us on Twitter and give us your thoughts at ProV Advisors. That's P-R-O-V Advisors. Or you can check us out on the web, www.provisionadvisors.net. As always, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, let's buckle up, gentlemen, because I believe we indeed are going to have some spirited debate. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot has transpired since the last time we sat down. So uh, let's get ready. First up, as always, we jump into rearview mirror. Uh, John, I'm going to go to you. Uh, what did you see back there? What's in your rearview mirror? Well, definitely in the rearview mirror is uh, some cheating scandal in baseball. Like, did that actually happen? I don't remember now. So uh, baseball was the benefactor just yesterday, actually, of a blockbuster trade um, you know, between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. It actually involved a third team, uh, the Minnesota Twins, to some degree. Uh, but the the main facets of this trade were Mookie Betts um, and his one-year arbitration deal going to L.A. along with David Price's $8 gazillion contract. Going to L.A. and back to uh, Boston from L.A. is uh, phenom Alex Vertigo. So um, pretty pretty big deal, uh, the talk of the sports world in the post-Super Bowl uh, time frame here. Um, but, you know, again, nothing like a good blockbuster trade to take everyone's attention off of controversy and the cheating scandal and the impending and, and still yet to be announced punishment to the Red Sox for the cheating scandal and, and Cora's involvement in that. Um, you know, it's already been adjudicated his involvement in the Astros thing. So again, you know, I found it very interesting as uh, the trade went down, all of a sudden a lot of MLB teams were tweeting, hey, pitchers and catchers report next week and hey, 50 days until opening day. And, and I think baseball is doing their very best in the post-Super Bowl vacuum to uh, to try to make a big deal out of these trades, out of pitchers and catchers reporting, because certainly hanging out there is some bad news. What I was struck by, um, one, is the Boston Red Sox still don't have a manager. The second point, from a larger baseball branding standpoint, in addition to what you said, is L.A. is now the center of the baseball universe. And there are a lot of folks that have talked about that overnight from ESPN to other baseball commentators. It's, to me, very interesting when people talk about the what the teams look like on paper, right? Oh, they, you know, they had the best team on paper right now. I'm looking at the Dodgers uh, in, on paper in, in right the, now. In the Dodgers. Yeah. But, but does that translate to wins? Yeah, they took on a ton of payroll, and now their outfield, just their outfield, Cody Bellinger, he kind of hits a little bit, Mookie Betts. Kike Hernandez, AJ Pollock, and Chris Taylor. I mean, are you joking me? I haven't even gotten into the pitching with like Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw and blah, blah, blah. It's like an embarrassment of riches, but it's a uh, power struggle now out on the West Coast. And right. like Chris said, this might be where the center, center of gravity is. And to finish off what Chris was saying about the Red Sox, it, it really makes you wonder what the other shoe will be and how it will drop when they are seemingly, I don't think they're giving up. They were definitely trying to get under the cap and they definitely wanted to get out from under David Price's contract. But 
I think they're taking notes on what the Houston Astros got from Major League Baseball, like losing a first and a second for two straight years. Right. That's a debilitating thing. You, know, you lose a lot of talent in the first and second rounds of, of the amateur draft, unless you're drafting in the fourth round like the Red Sox did last year when they got Noah Song from the Naval Academy, I'm just saying. It also makes you ask this question, what is Boston doing? Again, not to make it all about what we do on this podcast and what we do for a living, but I I think that they are very worried right now about what their brand is. Um, do they want to be like the Houston Astros, where where they still have people like Mike Clevenger of the Cleveland Indians just shitting on them all over the place? Like, oh, you better watch out when we play because dudes lost their jobs. They you know they lost service time. They got sent down all because you guys cheated. Um, I don't think the Red Sox want that PR problem for their brand, which is more established and more historically valued. I think that they're being very, very um, judicious about who they hire as a as a manager. I, I think the the safe money, or not the safe money, but the popular money in Boston is bring back like the old one of the old school Red Sox from days of yore to like reinject honor, like Pedroia. Or Veritek, you know, like, again, the only thing I want is Veritek to be the manager. And the first time they do Sunday Night Baseball and A-Rod, like, comes down to, you know, do the interview and the dugout and Tech is like, hey, remember that time when I kicked your ass up the first baseline? No big deal. Chris, uh, what did you see back there? What's in your rear view? So in my rear view is a specific story that ran in the Business Insider. And if you know the Business Insider, it is an online publication that is kind of notorious for grabbing other stories, slapping a provocative headline on it, putting some talking point like messaging up front, and then, you know, just throwing some paragraphs into it. it it's a it's a different way to consume news and, and it's certainly not original by by any stretch. So that's the yesterday the Business Insider ran a uh, a story in a headline that said Top Navy SEAL commander resigns after apparent disagreements with Trump. Okay. So immediately you want to dig into this story and say, wow, did Rear Admiral Colin Green, who's the head of the Naval Special Warfare community, did he finally have enough? Um, We talked a little bit about it on the show that uh, Green was kind of caught in the middle with this whole – Chief Gallagher thing, the one of the folks that uh, that Trump uh, had commuted their uh, their sentence or punishment um, several weeks ago, and, and so you you are left. At least I'm was left, and the folks that I saw tweeting and responding on social media were left with this idea that that Green had had uh, hit, had hit the road. So first is extremely poor form on the part of the online publication to put that headline on the story and to make it seem like Green had actually resigned. But then I was baffled by the number of people that retweeted, commented, commented on comments that didn't read the story. Because in the third line of the story, it said that Admiral Green had actually just put in his letter for retirement, and he would actually leave the command sometime around September. So big difference between walking into your boss's office and saying, you know, I'm out. Here's my letter of resignation and saying, hey, you know, I'm at the end of a 30 plus year career. Um, I'm going to put in my letter of uh, of retirement, you know, for uh, seven, eight, nine months down the road. I'm going to continue to run hard until I get to the end. So it's just another example of really, I say, irresponsible journalism, but also 
irresponsible consuming of information and then retweeting and sharing of information. Now, thankfully for Admiral Green and for the Navy, yesterday was a pretty busy news day and it didn't break through. But traditionally, this has been the type of issue that where, whether to misunderstanding or not, that the White House has felt compelled to um, respond to. And so there, I think there's lots of lessons here, lessons for the journalists, lessons for the consumers of social media, lessons for communicators in terms of how they push back, what do they do? Do you push back and potentially make it a bigger issue? Do you hope that it slides under the radar? There's a lot to look at here. John, go ahead. I, I think this is a very big indicator of of how little the civilian community actually understands the military. And we used to talk about this a lot as public affairs officers. The story makes it look like it was Top Gun and Colin Green went in with his trident and dropped it on the desk, you know, like Cougar and was like, hey, I'm sorry, uh, this is me saying peace. And you two and I both know that it's a very long drawn out process to retire. You first have to request to retire. And then you have to go through a really long administrative process for that to happen. And so all that happened was Colin Green requested to retire, and he's going through that process. So there's a civ mill divide issue in terms of how people understand it. But then there's this responsibility issue. Bash, uh, who's at fault here? So I, I'm sitting here taking notes as you guys are talking. Two things. One, when we talk about responsibility, that responsibility uh, to me does go in two directions. One, who's writing these headlines, right? So I don't care what the what the media outlet is. We are someone, we, we are people, I believe, who champion uh, quality journalism. But we have, we have to also understand that we've moved to a place where it's clicks, 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 clicks. Uh, what is the title going to do in order for, you know, uh, for people to click on this story and then read it? And then I think we also know that uh, a majority, sadly, of, of consumers of media may not even get past that headline. Like who's actually going to delve into the story and read it with um, some objectivity. Right. Uh, and, and I'm guilty of it as well, even as a professional, right. You, you, you get skewed and you have to be very careful because you get skewed by the direction in which you want to go. But that does point to a, another issue that is troublesome, I believe for me, or at least a concern about how many, how many intelligent and qualified individuals are we potentially losing in our military ranks? And even if it's someone who's reached their, uh, their, you know, the place where they can say, oh, I'm, I'm here to retire. I may have wanted to stay longer, but I'm choosing. And you mean because of the president? Right. Or because right, of the atmosphere. Right, right. The atmosphere. The atmosphere or, or, or whatever, you know, like, uh, this is not something that I've, I've signed up for and I want to move away. And I don't know if we can ever, you know, will we, will we be able to get an accurate accurate, excuse me, I can't even talk, uh, an accurate read uh, on just what that number is. But it's something that worries me uh, when I look at um, TBI issue, which, you know, I, we could talk about that um, at length, but, or, or sending troops to the border and, and all the other sort of issues that go, uh, go along with, hey, is this the right way in which uh, our military men and women should be used? Last points. Um, one, if I was king for the day, I wish there was something on Twitter that, you know, before you can go to the next page, you know how Apple makes it makes you scroll through their user agreement yep. before you can click yes. <laughs> I wish before you could retweet or comment, you had to at least open the article, right? So maybe that would raise the 
the percentage a little bit that people would actually read the at least the leading bridge uh, to figure out if the headline matches. And, and two, I mean, it, it really was beyond sort of the responsibility of the reporter, responsibility of the consumer. It's just another example, looking at the feedback on Twitter, how people judge based on what where their head is. I mean, it has nothing to do with the, you know, the five W's and it, it really is like, hey, I'm a I'm a Trumpy and this is what I view of the world, or I'm an anti-Trumpy and this is my view of the world. And man, I, I I've said it before. It's uh it's a pretty scary place to be. In this environment, you still have just really and I'm not trying to criticize journalists um, because they're some of my best friends, but there is just sometimes bad and lazy journalism and Chris, you made me think of something. Um, if you remember the like the online force protection and, and right. IT things, you had right. to, there was a time there was <laughs> right like you couldn't go forward unless you actually <laughs> answered all the questions correctly. So Ooh. if we could get to a point where, as you're reading an article, you as you get through it, you have to take a quiz on the last couple paragraphs. It's alarming how little of those NKO trainings I actually I've, did. I, I would, think you should absolutely have oh. to take a quiz before you're able to retweet or comment. <laughs> See, that could be our so, new business. There you go. Closing out the rearview mirror. I, I've got two uh, particular uh, subjects uh, I want to point to. And as we, you know, we're professional communicators. This is our business. It, it's what we did for over 60 collective years in the Navy. Super Bowl 54 is in, uh, you know, is in the rearview mirror. Con congratulations to uh, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs on a great win. But I want to look at two specific things, one which is sort of uh, passed on now, but then the second one, which is actually still sort of bubbling just below the surface uh, in terms of, uh, of a story. One is the, the PETA commercial. Uh, PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, uh, apparently had submitted a commercial uh, to the NFL for approval, was not approved reportedly, uh, but PETA decided to, to launch it anyway uh, via Twitter. And it centered on the topic of speciesism. Yeah, I'm saying that right, <laughs> speciesism. Uh, but what they did was they had, you had the Star Spangled Banner playing in the background while an animated, um, animated animal's uh, took a symbolic knee um, throughout the uh, throughout the landscape of the commercial, uh, which drew the ire of many, 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 many folks, uh, namely people who who looked at, you know, here, here was Peter saying uh, that they were trying to celebrate uh, Colin Kaepernick and 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 what he was doing by showing the the, the symbolism there of the animals taking a knee racism and and police brutality is not the same please do not try and co-opt that message uh into what you're doing like let let that stand on its own please and and, and just leave it there you know leave it alone if you just had a little you know just a few more people in your boardroom to discuss that you know i'd like to have been a fly on the wall like who said hey you know what would be a great idea let's do this and it's not just PETA. i mean that that happens with companies all over right just getting not thinking it through all the way now on that same sort of notion of messaging in what you put forth to uh to your to your public what's happening right now with jay-z and beyonce as the video of the star spangled banner from the uh from the super bowl is played you see he and beyonce sitting down through the length of the of the uh, national anthem jay-z felt compelled to give a statement 
or respond to um, to why uh, it, what what we saw with our own eyes took place. And he was in front of uh, Columbia University yesterday uh, speaking to students, and he talked about going into artist mode and that he didn't even realize throughout the playing of the singing of the national anthem by Yolanda Adams uh, that they were in fact sitting down. It didn't dawn on him until he received a, uh, a text message or someone called him on his phone to say, Hey, do you, you know, do you realize you just sat down through the whole thing? Listen, from a, from as a professional communicator, someone who deals in messaging and, and getting it right. Um, yeah, that no, that's that's not flying. It's it's that you sat there. Like here's here's the thing. Let's let's look at this from a from a the national anthem as you sing it. If you sing it at a at a nice even pace, it's long. It's, it's gonna go on for a little while. If you're telling me that you went into quote artist mode and didn't realize you were sitting down while everyone around you was standing up and it was blaring over the loudspeakers. And it didn't dawn on you because you were just so encapsulated by everything else that was going on. I'm sorry that doesn't pass the Bashar man smell test. Well, I, and, I'm going to steal this from Chris. Why do we keep doing this shit? Like, I'm the most patriotic dude out there. I love it. And, and I, I love nothing more than screaming, oh, at the top of my lungs at an Orioles game during the national anthem. But why do we keep... Why do we keep playing it before sporting events? I, I just don't. It's like bringing in the the debate. It's like, hey, everyone, it's Thanksgiving. Make sure no one brings up Uncle Jake's divorce or else it'll make this whole thing go bad. And then there's always that kid there who's like, so Uncle Jake, where's, uh, where's Aunt Betsy? And, and the whole thing explodes. Stop playing the anthem. I, and, and I'm saying this as the most patriotic dude out there who stands for the national anthem, who doesn't give a shit if people stand or sit or, or kneel. And by the way, anatomically, do, do animals even have knees? Like, can they kneel? Um, I don't know. But, Apparently, but, yes. But stop, <laughs> stop doing the anthem. And, and then, yeah, if, if you sat during the anthem, don't exacerbate the situation by bullshitting your way through the, through the reasoning. Right. So Chris, a couple, couple things. I mean, you mentioned the O. So for folks that don't know, if when you're in Baltimore, they get to the, the part of the anthem where the singer says O. The fans at Camden Yard scream. It's a big deal. If you're like me, you even do it at your kid's PTA meeting. Um, <laughs> it's so, not popular. But I mean, is, is that rude? Is that disrespectful? I've had people tell me that it's disrespectful. Okay, that, that's a fair point. I don't really care. Um, I also don't care if Beyonce and Jay-Z sit down. I really don't. I, I also didn't have a problem with the president and his goofiness, and there's no other way to describe it, his goofiness during the anthem. I mean, he was, I mean, one, he wasn't at the game, but what, whatever. Um, you, you know, he sort of uh, pantomimed that he was conducting the orchestra and he was being silly. I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I do have a problem that he wants to hold everybody else, you, you know, he wants to wave the flag and, and hold up the anthem figuratively and bust people's chops, and then, you know, he's goofing off. So there's a say-do gap there, but that should come as no uh, surprise. No shock. Um, so before the um, before the Super Bowl started, the NFL in their, you know, NFL will take the high ground way, played Johnny Cash's Ragged Old Flag. Mm -hmm. um, great song. Uh, and the, the piece was well done. But it was clearly meant to demonstrate just how 
um, patriotic and how um, Americana the NFL was. And it was meant as a big middle finger to Colin Kaepernick. A giant middle finger. And those around him. Again, I have no problems with playing the ragged old flag and you want to capitalize on the brand being patriotic and fans being patriotic. But I also don't have a problem with people sitting down or Colin Kaepernick. I, I at like who the fuck cares? Right. I, honest <laughs> to God. Fun. Like who seriously? Who cares? I mean, I, I don't understand I can get all wrapped around that and then watch J Lo and Shakira shake their ass and I mean it's just it's entertainment. If you don't like it, go to the John during the national anthem. Wait till right. it's over and then come out. Like, shut up. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I, and to that point, I think what what dry obviously drives me crazy is like, don't blow smoke up my ass on a false state. You know, don't try and make. But something he has up to. to. He he has that's to. The, that's I mean, the it, environment. It yeah. may have been a poor right. I mean, you can sort of argue the tactic, and I think that was your point. But he has to right because he's got millions, if not billions, of dollars at stake on this. Right. I'll even buy that Jay Z did. Who cares why he didn't stand up? Right. Because I mean, I think that if it was if if it was contrived, knowing the two of them and sort of how thoughtful and and uh, calculating, and I don't mean right. that in a bad right, way, right, right, right. they would have told you. Right after, hey, I, you know, that was for Colin or what, whatever. So, it, you ha you're forced to make a goofy uh, rebuttal because the truth doesn't hold up. Well, all, all of us, we we ourselves are guilty of censoring ourselves in the interest of our clients or in the interest of our family or in the interest of relationships. We we choose to not talk about certain things, or we choose to talk about things in a certain way. Because it protects our business interests, which I think you're referring to with Jay Z, um, yeah. But but do it in such a way and and work on it so that you don't sound ridiculous. And and the Jay Z thing, not that I care, but I was just like, bro, like kind of like you said at the beginning, like <laughs> that's a long song. You you know what's going on? Like come on, come up with. I'm as a as a professional bullshitter myself. Come up with some better bullshit. So my so the goofy rebuttal, like why? Why do like let let's let's talk about that for a little bit. Like why the goofy rebuttal? Why do we feel or why does one feel it necessary to go that angle? Like Because somebody like us told him, Hey, you gotta get ahead of this. You gotta go ugly early. You gotta get out there and you gotta get ahead of this. And I'm sure the NFL did too. Hey, look, man, we wanna do business with you because we think it's gonna bring a certain uh element into NFL events. And, you know, we can't have you on the wrong side of this. So get out there. And that rush and that, you know, all of the uh, all of the things that are associated with the rush, they drive you to bad PR. Again, truth yeah, makes yeah. for good PR. Yeah. And good, they need no, it. Say, like, say that again. Drives you to bad PR. And, and, it's, and it brings us back, not a shameless plug for us, but it is that you need to red sell things like this. Things that we do for our clients all the time. Someone needs to sit back and red sell that answer and say... All right, let's take a look at how much this is going to resonate. Um, it would have taken me about 13 seconds to say, no, not going to resonate. It sounds terrible. Come up with some other bullshit answer. Go ahead. I, I believe him. I, I do because I think it's just goofy <laughs> enough. I, I mean, you could say then what kind of like arrogant or like clueless or things like that. Those are other issues. But I, I, I believe him. I'd never mean to say, oh, in the national anthem, I just have a, a small Tourette's issue. 
<laughs> All right. I almost got into a fight with a senior citizen I, at the Nationals World Series game because I yelled it. I've been screamed she at. She was yeah. irate. Yeah, Naval Academy football games. I've what? had people in the parking lot. Was it Tory Clark? It, it was not Tory <laughs> Clark, thankfully. <laughs> All right, folks, stick with us. Uh, we took a look back there in the rear view, and when we return, we're going to deep dive. You're going to want to stick around for this. Uh, stay with us. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. All right, folks, we are back, and it is time to deep dive. Uh, In the past mm, three, four days, uh, we have seen many different uh, things bubble up in the news, and unless you were... Uh, hiding under a rock or purposefully staying away from uh, your phone, your social media, or your television, um, you may have missed what took place or what didn't take in Iowa, for that matter. In this deep dive, we're going to we're going to break apart, look at Iowa, what happened with the caucuses there, what's still happening with the caucuses there. Talk a little bit about the State of the Union, the theatrics that took place last night uh, on our televisions here in Washington D.C. And talk a little bit about what all of this means from a communication standpoint and how it plays uh, with the rest of the nation out there. Chris, you want to start with Iowa and go from there? So, so let's let's start even bigger than than Iowa. Sure. And then we'll, we'll get into Iowa. And I'm going to play a little bit of a speed round here, if, if, if you don't mind. Um, okay. So we've often talked on this uh, pod in the context of politics in the United States, particularly the Trump, anti-Trump reality that we have to deal with today, that both sides have made huge mistakes at times in that they are more focused on being right than necessarily winning the political battle in in front of them. We see it in the lead up to Iowa and we see it in the conduct of Iowa. So I would ask each of you, do you agree with that thesis that um, particularly the Democrats uh, that are running for uh, the Democratic nomination have been too focused on being right and not enough on focus on beating Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with the thesis that that um, although they'll say it and they've said it in a lot of the debates leading up to the the debacle that took place in Iowa, they they will say that hey it's it's not about it's not about you know the the tactical level disputes and and zingers that we're giving each other up here on the stage it's about getting Donald Trump out of office but then you just mentioned a say do gap it's a tremendous say do gap with almost the entirety of of the democratic field and i i i sit back and i watch the Iowa thing unfold and and it 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 just feels so antiquated and and dysfunctional and we've used dysfunctional between the three of us in describing what's going on there and and i think it's because a lot of people and and shit i majored in political science in college and not just any college villanova university and so i, I people are acting like iowa means something yeah you know, like go back go back and see how barack obama did in iowa all right or or let's talk about john Kerry thinking about running you know he isn't even on the he isn't even on the ballot in iowa he isn't going to get a caucus thing and and i think so few people you want to talk about how few Americans know, you know, what the military is and, and the intricacies of, of military processes. Even fewer, I would submit, know what the the importance of the Iowa caucuses or why it starts in Iowa and then it's South Carolina and then it's Nevada and then it's New Hampshire and why are they important and what is Super Tuesday? They, they And I'll finish with this, that 
it, they were acting like Iowa was this major Rubicon of like, this is how we eventually get Trump and, and we're out of there. And, and, and it was bullshit because really all they wanted to do was win. And, and, and I'm a big Pete Buttigieg fan. And as the whole ridiculous thing is, is unfolding and they obviously don't know if the app worked and who's got what vote and what's going on. Pete Buttigieg gets up there and gives a victory speech. Like, come on, bro. Like, Give me a break. Like, you have no idea if you won. I found the whole thing very quizzical in that they they just don't understand that with with each of these, with Iowa getting jacked up and with all of them attacking each other still, that there's no unity of effort, and we use that a lot in the military. And without that unity of effort, they are going to lose. So that's a yes. You do agree with the thesis. Yes. Well, I started off by saying yes, but then I needed my so long-winded thoughts. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe I didn't explain the rules of the speed Come round. Come on. <laughs> so for, that, speed, for me, that was fast. Okay. Well, <laughs> but Sean. <laughs> oh, come on. Your question was with regard to that thesis, weighing the uh, ability to be right or the desire to be right versus wanting to win. Wanting to beat Donald Trump, right? Yeah, I have to look at and, my notes. I forgot. And, <laughs> oh, come on. And 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 here's what I'll here's what I'll say. It it is a it is a yes, but I believe that's driven by the people. I believe the candidates are driven by the desires how, how their supporters want them to go. Like I feel like that's what's driving their behavior. Do you blame them? They're getting millions of dollars from donors. Do you think that donor who gives I, them $50,000 wants them to go out there and say, well, it's not important if I win. I mean, it's important that either Bernie well, or well, Elizabeth Warren well, or I did, win. Well, here's the thing. Did you yeah. did you see the, the Carvel clip from yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, James Carvel makes the point, essentially, and if you haven't seen it, go go uh, go watch it. Google MSNBC James Carvel. Carvel's point is is that it nothing matters. Uh Healthcare for all, um, you know, pick any niche issue, gay, black, white, old, socialist, not socialist. Like at the end of the day, the Democrats have to beat Donald Trump and they're not going to beat Donald Trump if they are on the far ends of the party. That That's his point. And without beating Donald Trump, the Democratic Party and the Republic are in real trouble. And so they need to do anything they can to beat Donald Trump. And to that end. That whole where you stand, you know, far ends of the party, far left, moderate, the selfish nature of it. And by that, I mean crowding the field. If you have, I, talk, I talked a little bit uh, about timing, like the, the timing of, of running for office. If the Democratic position is that we have to win, we have to beat Donald Trump, and it's been your, it's been your lifelong dream to one day run for president. But if you know that it's not time for you to do that, like it's just, it doesn't make sense for you to run in there and siphon off votes, or if you missed your window, then you need to look at the country that you are, I guess, you know, that, that you're trying to champion, that the, the, the betterment of this nation um, moving forward, and realize that, you are, uh, you know, with doctors, it's d do no harm. Hippocratic right. oath, yeah. So I went to, I went to Villanova, right? <laughs> but I feel like there are too many people out there that are actually doing harm, and they and they do not. They they it's like they don't wrap their head around 
uh, that notion. But isn't it? But isn't that a product of the of the availability of information, the age of social media, and the age of Discord that that is here now? And and I'm going to now speed round it back to one of the other elements of this whole thing, which was the State of the Union and the part of the State of the Union that I'll particularly hold, hold, address. On, hold on, J- just for a second. Let's just yeah. stick with Iowa for okay. one, one, no, no, no. Sec- one more second. So. Um, you said about social media. Yes, I think there are environmental reasons and the flattening of the information environment um, that yep. allows people, you know, it's almost like learning the wrong lessons from the Obama campaign, right? So if you look at Obama's uh, 2008, it was a great win for Democratic uh, elections. And I mean, small d in terms of grassroots, using the internet, going out, getting your message, because it wasn't Obama's time to run. Right. $2, right? Remember that? Right. Remember that? It, it, it yep. was Hillary's time to run. I mean, Hillary should have been the president, you know, from a time to run standpoint in 2008. Or, I mean, it was John Edwards, really. I mean, that's who a lot of okay. people thought was, yeah. yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't Obama's. And, I mean, you could argue that Bill Clinton actually did it first in, uh, you know, yep. 1992. And so as the information environment has gotten more flat and more people can get in, I agree, John, that um, that becomes a problem. So now let's move to the second thing of Iowa before we go to the State of the Union. So you have this kind of crowded field pulling from each other, um, but everybody tells you, like, the general message is, hey, it's going to be okay because we've got these primaries in place and the process is going to work and we're going to weed it out and whoever comes out on the other end is going to be a candidate that the party's behind and can beat Donald Trump. And then you have a just colossal um, logistics and technology and just just a horrible event centered around a horrible event anyway Yep, and so it's such a black eye. You you guys are, I would say, more Democrat than than I am as more of an independent. What, what were your thoughts like as a member of the Democratic Party, kind of watching Iowa uh, uh, and 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 you know as you consumed what has happened over the last couple of days? I, I tried to view it, and I will go speedy this time. I tried to view it through the lens purely as a communicator, and and I yeah, emotionally I felt really bad for the party because. They, they just looked like ass. They looked dumb. It looked disorganized. But then from a communication standpoint, I couldn't help but just sit there and say, all right, how are you going to rescue this? What are you going to say? How are you going to assuage the fears out there that this is emblematic of, of a greater dysfunction within the party? What are you going to say? And then, you know, the Democratic, uh, you know, the DNC chair came out and, and was very, you know, mea culpa-like, but it was late and it was disorganized and it looked... It looks like it was something. It, he didn't believe in it. He just it, he acted like it was something he had to do. You're talking about the Iowa d- uh, Democratic, yeah, the uh, guy who was yeah. basically in charge. Yeah, who should be fired. But yeah, it, it, he sucked at um, doing his job. You had one job. You know, get this thing right. Uh, using an app, not using an app. I, I hearken back to when you know the Obamacare site went live the first day, and it got all jacked up. And and yeah, they took it on the chin as they should. You guys should take this on the chin too. But I'll say this about Iowa, and then I'll and then I'll shut up. Again, people act like it's a big deal. What what's the what's the you know minority ratio in, in the state of Iowa? Is it is it is it actually actually representative of the rest of the United States? It's ninety one percent white. Yeah, ninety one percent white, four percent black. So why do we act like this is going to be some great harbinger of of what the voting will be to come? So let me let me answer that. I'm so glad it's, re- it's rhetorical. I'm so I know. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> Here's the thing. We know that 
there's 45% of the people, of the voting public, that are not going to move off of the current president. They're not, right? So Actually, the latest poll said 49%. 49% approval. Right, right. right. But but yeah. 40, that 45% of people that are going to pull that lever, boom, for Donald Trump, right? Now, or, or use the app, boom, for Donald the, Trump. Now, here's, from what I saw that took place on, on, on Monday, was you, you needed to get, you needed to see a, a movement, right? You needed to see, from what we saw in the, the election of 2018, right? We needed to see a continuation of that, like, like, hey, Democrats didn't miss a beat. Uh, uh, uh. It's like a horse throwing its uh, jockey out of the gate is what is what happened. Because you saw the number of voter turnout, right? Low voter turnout. And then we can't get it right. So all you've done is embolden the 45% to say, yep, there is nothing over on that other side that can draw me to them. Because that's just, that. let's, let's be real. That's who we're talking, like, the, the, where things are, what where we have moved to in the last three years and change is that our reality has shifted. Our reality has shifted so that it's it's no longer we can't necessarily look at oh well this is the pattern that happened here. Remember this is what happened here. Nah, that's gone. That's gone. So you had Democrats looking at what happened at the Iowa caucus and saying, "Man, I'm I'm discouraged." And right or wrong, what, like if you say that that's not emblematic of, of the real picture of the voting public, th- that gotcha, I hear you. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, and, I, and looking at you know, social media or talking with people who I talk to, there was more a sense of we can't get right. Well, the, the world is watching. And, and to your point... So they're talking about, and this is where I will transition to the State of the Union, they're talking, you, you just said something about, all right, so what are you doing with, you know, 45% of those people out there um, watching Iowa, um, you know, they, they will not be swayed. They're, they're in the Trump court. So what, what are you going to do? How are you going to win? How are you going to put your best foot forward? And do you think you're really actually playing the long game or are you playing the short game and the hot take social media zinger jerk store type of George Costanza approach to things by tearing up the president of the United States' speech at the end of the State of the Union like Speaker Pelosi did. Now there are a great many people and 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 a lot of a lot of people who I listen to their podcast who were like, oh yeah, you know, brilliant move by Speaker Pelosi because now everyone's just talking about that. No, what it is is it's a sign of divisiveness that further um, polarizes people. And, and and I'm not saying what Speaker Pelosi did was right or wrong. What I'm saying is what she did was polarizing, and that's not what we need right now. I, I don't really care about the handshake or the or the ripping up. I mean, I, I recognize your point. I, I think that when you look at the crowded field that has yet to really um, get their feet underneath of them, you look at the the trends that Bash mentioned coming out of Iowa beyond the clusterfuck, but I mean, low voter turnout, um, no real clear unifying issue. Then you kind of put that next to what I think was a poor political calculation on the part of uh, uh, the Pelosi-led team in, in moving forward with the impeachment when they did, um, because that I think that exacerbated the, the primary problems. 
then you set up for this week's State of the Union, in, in which, I, I mean, put truth aside for a second, um, be, because that 45% put truth aside, the president hit a home run from a, from a purely rhetorical standpoint. He did everything he needed to do. He looked strong. He delivered the lines he needed. Um, coming out of it, you're left with discussion of the speaker being petty. Nobody cares if he's petty because they know he's petty, right? So that's not news. It is news. His that, base loved it. Right. So now you're left, and I said this to Bashan earlier today, and I, I want your take on it. If it were anyone else but Donald Trump, I'd say game over, man. You know, what's that? Game over, man. I mean, like, I, I would say that it's done because you've punched them in the mouth and they're not getting back up. The only upside, I think, for the Democrats right now is, is that this guy has demonstrated a propensity to step on his probably more than any other modern politician. So all you can hope for is that while you're trying to get right, this guy's going to make a mistake that lets you back in the fight. But you're playing down to him. You're playing dirty the way that he plays. And, and James I, Carville, just yep, win. Just, just win. win. Just play your game. Play And, and I'm going to sound mm -hmm. like Bill Belichick here. Do your job. And, and you know what? What Speaker Pelosi did, I thought, was not beneath her. It's beneath any speaker. And I know it's hard to take the high road when he's effing with all, everyone so much and you're bitter and he, and he left you hanging on the handshake at the beginning. I get it, but... You know, your behavior is is on display, and I know the high road doesn't doesn't feel too good, but sometimes you have to take it, which is fresh coming from me because I almost never take the high road. Yeah, that I, I hear you, John. Um, oh, no, it's theoretical. It's hard to do in actuality, yeah. Yeah, like I said, in 2016, the, the world shifted. And so, you know, if you, look at, if you look at the impeachment trial and you listen to the House managers, uh, give their speeches versus what uh, the White House counsel did. I mean, hello, there was a clear difference in terms of preparation, preparedness, yeah. and delivery. Like, that, that's real. However, as Chris stated, he said, with regard to the State of the Union speech last night, his first comment, let's put truth aside. So, so if that's where the United States of America is right now, that that forty five percent said, I don't, I, I don't care about truth. I just care about what I'm hearing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 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 just sit with that for a second. I, I heard it from a, an Uber driver in Phoenix last so, week, and I was like, so, oh man. So this whole high road business, I mean, that's nice. I don't want my my children walking out of the door. And punching, you know, the first person that they see in the mouth, they want to be the bully first. But there has to be a, a, a new approach, a different approach to dealing with this individual. All right. And, and because right now, this sort of like the, the, the fumbling, it, it, all, it all comes into this package, right? What you see in Iowa, and some people will say like, ah, take a deep breath. It's not emblematic of, you know, this long game and what we're going to see at the end. But listen, man, it just it doesn't play into uh, a win. Yeah, uh, I'll finish my part by saying, number one, I'm very proud that I'm making my mark on this podcast because I have you using <laughs> emblematic and I have Chris swearing. So I'm I, I am obviously very impactful. You're an influence. <laughs> I am an influence. Uh, it's, it's a and I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, um, 
that 45% of people, and then let me, let me actually stop using the 45%. There's a group of people that will look at last night and look at the amount of black people that were put up there and whether you're given uh, the rank, uh, Tuskegee Airmen uh, rank to Brigadier General or you give a scholarship to a nine-year-old. If you are someone who looks at that and says, see, he likes black people. Look what he's doing. If that's as far, if you can only think as far as the end of your nose, get away from me. Get away from me because you're, you're, you're not someone who, and, and, and the thing is, is that that's all people need, right? That's all that like, look, Look what he's done. Look at look at the 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 symbolism of it, right? That and without without paying attention to the history and legacy of of his his race relations, you know what I mean? Like look at his look at his uh, resume, and and if you if you can orchestrate a, a made for television moment uh, like he did last night, and and then advocate the absence of racism from. From that individual, I have no, I have nothing for you. The entire electorate can't see beyond the tip of their nose, and if the if he wins, um, and, and as we sit here in February, I, I would say that the vectors are pointing in a positive direction. If you're a Trump guy or gal, if he wins, it's going to be because they have found ways to make people feel good about that area you know the economy's doing well i mean the dow jones was up when i when we started this podcast it was up almost 400 points oh yeah so i mean clearly wall street is okay wall street's okay with the iowa debacle they're okay with uh with, with the state of the union and 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 you know the fallout of that so he's betting on the fact that whether you're african-american or you know whatever that you only look as far as the the tip of your nose and for those that um that do look beyond that you weren't going to vote for him anyway, and maybe there's a small group that just don't come out. So, I mean, that's the plan. I, I agree with you. I, I am now sitting here uh, resigned to the idea that he's probably going to win. Um, it, he's played his game better than than the opposition has. The, the the thing I'm interested in seeing now, particularly if this Iowa result continues to to trend in Pete Buttigieg's way, you know, where where will this go if in, if in the end the Democratic Party puts forward Pete Buttigieg, who is completely unrepresentative of what Donald Trump's base likes, which is people of color, people, you know, of of a different sexuality than he espouses? You know, what, what sort of mayhem exists or will happen when it's Pete Buttigieg and Donald Trump on a debate stage? It's almost like must-see TV. It's like old-school Mike Tyson, Larry Holmes. Like, I have to watch this. But not in a good way. I, I think it's I think it's going to really bring out the ugliest chapters of what of what lies ahead for this country. And and between that and coronavirus, this is truly where the I am legend uh, end of days takes place. I'm I'm being tongue in cheek, but I, I think that it's it, it's it's really looking bleak. I try very hard, and I think we've tried on it in this segment um, to look at you know put politics and put issues aside and and look at the communication uh practices it, it's hard um and and so I, I think we we will not we will continue to do that um so that we can learn the lessons that that we can from from this and to, to share those with, with the audience but um it's it's gonna be a wild ride the next uh 
10 months or so. Yeah. It's uh, something that we're going to continue to watch. Uh, I have no desire to continue looking at this circular firing squad uh, of a democratic race. It's uh, it's it's hard to watch. Thank you for listening. We are going to uh, take a quick break and come right back. And when we do, we're going to uh, go look out on the horizon. Stay with us. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. And welcome back to Three Season a Pod with Provision Advisors. Gentlemen, let's look out on the horizon at what the days ahead may bring. Uh, Chris, I'm going to throw to you first. What do you got? So my uh, on the horizon is how will Major League Baseball, we started with baseball, uh, I'm going to finish with baseball, how will Major League Baseball handle coming out of a steroid era, coming out of this cheating scandal, how are they going to handle Pete Rose? And are they going to be able to stay on their moral high horse or up on the moral high ground? As Pete Rose this week petitioned baseball to reinstate him, is baseball able to deal with the aftermath of steroids in the position that they took, deal with the aftermath of this cheating scandal in the position they took, and still hold Pete Rose at arm's length and tell him and his fans that he's not worthy to be part of the game and part of the Hall of Fame? What are the repercussions of that for the baseball brand? That's what I want to keep an eye on. The first guy from that era that gets into the Hall of Fame will continue Pete Rose's ability or or penchant now to play Trump whataboutism. Hey, it's not about all the terrible shit that I did back when I was playing and managing. It's about it's about the Astros cheating. Or hey, Barry Bonds just got into the Hall of Fame because it's happening with each Hall of Fame ballot. You know, people are getting people are getting closer and closer to getting elected, like Clemens, like Mark McGuire, like Barry Bonds. And eventually they're going to get in and baseball is going to have to keep listening to this guy do it. And from a PR standpoint, I'll tell you that kind of like in the days of Eddie Murray with the Orioles, like if you were just a nicer dude, if you weren't such a prick about things, you'd probably have yourself a better chance of getting listened to. But he has been nothing but ungrateful and and sticking it to baseball for the entirety of his time. You know, the, the anti-mea culpa, and, and again, as you advise people from a PR standpoint, if he would have just shut up and faded away, he'd probably have a little bit more of a role here, um, or at least a better argument. All right. John, what do you got? Um, I'm going to see, I'm interested in how um, the the chapter closes on Kobe. Um, the, the, the remembrance of him, I'll tell you, I was on a plane back from Phoenix, and I was literally glued to my phone as the Laker game started and they did the remembrance and, and LeBron gave his speech, which was phenomenal. Um, and, and it was, it was a, it was a really nice thing to try to push the chapter forward, but there are a couple of things out there on the horizon with this, um, you know, that, that I think will really continue to capture the imagination and the attention of, of the sporting world and the world writ large. And that is, you know, his, his eventual burial, his memorial, um, how it goes forward. You, you're looking at, you're looking at a lot of opportunities to, um, memorialize and remember, um, you know, a very popular guy who we talked about on the last podcast is really occupying the news space for a while. And we shared, um, on our articles of the week, uh, this week, um, an article that showed just how 
powerful Kobe's coverage was. And, and Chris and I both tweeted it out like, hey, not, not meaning to be morbid here, but it, like I talk about here, it's the Brad Pitt effect. When, when, you get that, when you get that celebrity death, and Brad Pitt's still alive, everyone, but um, you know, when, when you get that celebrity death, you do have to consider the fact that it sucks the air out of the space. That's either good for you or bad for you. If you're trying to get bad news out, it's probably a little good for you. If you're trying to get good news out and hoping that it sticks, something like Kobe's death is going to make everything else go away. And and so I'm I'm interested to see what the next chapters are. But when but when Kobe is laid to rest, um, I think it's going to be another immense uh, news cycle occupying event. You know, John, you mentioned uh, the Laker game on Friday. I believe it was Wednesday night that TNT uh, inside the NBA, Ernie Chuck. Oh, Shaq. Uh, Kenny and Shaq. Yeah, so oh. they did They did their show from the floor uh, of the Staples Center. And uh, that was, I was, again, glued to the television as they kept bringing in, you know, NBA player after NBA player, WNBA player, and then, uh, and then ultimately Jerry West coming and sitting down. And I couldn't take my eyes, you know, off of, as, as just as sad and emotional uh, as, that, as that was. But I, I was glued. Uh, to the television for that right there. Well, and and we tweeted something out about it um, that that we can media train people all day long, but there is no there is no better message than being genuine. And sometimes that's grief, and sometimes that's happiness. And I tweeted it out about uh, a kid who um, hit a game winning shot in college basketball, and his dad was there, and he's sitting there doing his presser, and he just cried, and he it was it was tears. Uh, you know, of, of happiness, of sadness, you know, that his dad hadn't got to see, had a chance to see him play a lot, and he had just hit this game-winning shot uh, for Tulsa. Um, I had forgotten, but, you know, Shaq crying out there on on the court. This mm-hmm. kid so happy, but, but, but disregarding any rules that the SID probably gave him for talking to the press and just crying his eyes out. Those are the things that speak to me now. We, we talk in our business about storytelling and about genuine messaging, not bullshit messaging, not the Jay-Z messaging about why I sat down during the national anthem. And that's what Kobe has brought out in a lot of people. Speaking of Kobe, uh, I'll segue into this next topic. Uh, the 92nd Academy Awards uh, are going to be taking place this Sunday, February 9th, uh, from the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles, California. Um, the reason I bring that up, uh, well, you know, one, of course, it's a uh, one one evening where uh, much of the nation sort of, you know, pays attention to uh, best uh, best picture, best director, uh, best actor, best actress, uh, of course. And then, um, you know, looking at, at, at the we, we talked about this, Ricky Gervais talking about you know his monologue uh, from, I guess, I don't know if it was the SAG Awards or, or something else that, that he was talking about, you know, people coming up there, giving their commentary, I imagine. There will be at least a couple of people uh, that go up there and, um, you know, give their uh, political speech or what have you, uh, their own sort of um, Los Angeles State of the Union, uh, if I may. Uh, and, and, you know, and we'll, we'll Monday morning quarterback that whole thing. Uh, but again, just a, a, a shout out um, to the late Kobe Bryant, uh, who, in fact, was a was an Academy Award winner um, uh, for his um for his uh, for his film uh, about his uh, you know his uh, trip or, or journey through basketball uh, and then of course uh, th- that was he won for best animated uh, short uh, and then you see uh, this year Matthew Cherry a former NFL player 
uh, going up uh, in that same category for um, his animated short, Hair Love, something that started off as a Kickstarter campaign. I support and stand behind and, and hoping that uh, that he brings home uh, a little bit of hardware. A very significant uh, piece of history to me uh, would just be very important. So, hey, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, as always here on Three Season a Pod, we want you to have a great week. And until we meet again, we want you to be good, be safe, and be better than yesterday. Thank you for listening to Three Seas in a Pod. Have a great week.